1: This is the Rich Eisen Show.
2: The general sense of this quarterback class is we don't like
1: it. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles.
2: Kenny Pickett, this is a great quote. If you had an MFR play right now, it's Pickett, it. but he doesn't have any GD upside. Earlier
1: on the show, <laughs> NFL Network Analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Ohio State Wide Receiver Chris Olave, co-host of Good Morning Football, Peter Schrager. Coming up, Penn State Head Coach James Franklin, plus actor Patrick Faber. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Oh, number
2: three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. I'm heading to Las Vegas, Nevada tomorrow for a week-long, uh, should I call it residency? Uh, in Las <laughs> yeah, Vegas, Nevada? That's the correct R- word. Rich for, Eisen for Redis- residency? Yeah, okay, course. very good. Um, 844-204 Rich, number to dial here on this program. As always, we've spoken to Chris Olave, uh, of The Ohio State University, one of the many talented wide receivers in this year's draft, and that includes the one of uh, the, uh, Uh, Top receivers in this year's draft includes the uh, cadre of Penn State Nittany Lions that are available to be drafted in this year's draft. And before Patrick Fabian of the hit television show Better Call Saul joins us in studio in this hour, we turn to the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line and welcome in the uh, head football coach of Penn State football on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, James Franklin. How you doing, coach? good how are you guys i'm doing just fine so what does uh what does your day look like on uh a, on a, a draft week what's going on in the penn state football world writ large james franklin
0: yep we um just finished up spring ball on saturday we had our spring game mm-hmm. um saturday afternoon had sixty five thousand people at that had a bunch of former players on campus a bunch of our draft eligible guys were here as well um and now we're in a situation where our coaches have all you know, started the process to go on the road recruiting, and then uh, I'm about to meet. I sit down and meet with every single player on the team individually for about a half hour, so got about 125 meetings to knock out, which mm. is great you get to know your team really well, but it also is you know, a grind, so uh, looking forward to doing that.
2: And then how much is your phone get rung up by uh, general manager, scouts, people who want to know about your guys last minute? Before the draft, yeah. right now,
0: yeah, it's really kind of spread out. It's over a you know period of time, probably for about the last month, I would say, between scouts, regional scouts, GMs, head coaches, um, you know. So it's it's pretty spread out. You'll get some last minute calls, uh, but for the most part. Uh, you know, you'll get five or six a week.
2: All right, so I'll just walk through the front door. Any uh, Wisconsin area code phone calls to your cell phone about Jahan Dotson? Anything straight up (laughs) on that front?
0: You know, I found that the last couple years that a lot of the guys, that a lot of the predictions that you hear out there, you don't really hear from them uh, close to the draft. I don't know if they're trying to keep it quiet or not, but obviously we heard from the Packers early uh, in the process, you know, regional scouts and, and things like that, but um, nothing nothing here as of, of uh, recent.
2: First time you laid eyes on Dotson was when, Coach Franklin?
0: Well, uh, obviously high school, we recruited him out of high school. He was actually playing hard to get early on. He's from here in the state of Pennsylvania. Actually, it's, it's kind of interesting. Him and Saquon Barkley are from a similar part uh, of the state, kind of the Bethlehem area, Lehigh Valley, um, but but he was kind of playing hard to get and actually committed to UCLA. And, um, and then we were able to flip him back to stay home late, um, but was a high level track athlete, was a high level basketball athlete here in the state, and then a really good football player. He's just undersized. You know, um, you know, he was probably about 152 pounds when he showed up on campus.
2: Mm. And so when did you realize he could be special for you, coach?
0: He played for us as as a true freshman, and obviously was undersized at the time. But he just was so natural catching the ball. He's got as good a ball skills that I've been around. I've been fortunate, you know. I was the receivers coach with the Green Bay Packers, and I had Donald Driver. I coached Tory Smith in college. I, I coached uh, Jordan Matthews in college. At the time, was all all time leading receiver in SEC history. Um, I I coached Jordy Nelson in college, played for me at Kansas State. I had Chris Godwin. I could go on and on. I've had a bunch of wide outs, and he's probably the most natural guy I've had in catching the ball in terms of being able to contort his body. Um, He just catches the ball effortlessly, and it really doesn't matter where. Over the middle, on the perimeter, he just has got – fantastic natural hands
2: well i mean you mean you meant when you mentioned jordy nelson obviously donald driver I know the other names you mentioned i mean jordy's i think he still has all the records at kansas state i think he still holds every damn last record that that they put together there so that's some very high praise that you're putting out there yeah Coach jordy
0: Franklin. when he played for me he had 122 catches for 1600 yards in one year um and then the corner from Kansas, who is being highly regarded as well, coming out in the draft, I'm having a brain fart right now, um, but Kansas had a really good corner, and him and Jordy went up against each other, and uh, nobody really wanted to give Jordy credit. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that, you know, the reason why, out of it right now, but uh, <laughs> nobody wanted to give him credit, and, and he got after him, um, and I think that kind of gave him credibility, but... You know, Jahan is, I, I think, is really on that level and 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 even higher. He's got a chance to to be special.
2: Could that have been Akib Talib back in the day?
0: That's exactly who it was. Thank you very much you for helping me fill in the dots.
2: No problem. Yeah, I mean uh, that had have been a heck of a, a of a matchup right there. What was that? So uh, where were you in your career when you were out there back at uh, Lambeau Field working for the Packers?
0: Yeah, I guess James. this was probably. I'm not good with stuff like this, Rich, right. but it was probably 15 or so years ago. I was the receivers coach with the Packers. I had, I'd been at the University of Maryland with Ralph Friedgen for a number of years, and had an opportunity to go to Green Bay. And then I left Green Bay and went to Kansas State as the offensive coordinator. Coach Sherman had gotten let go. Had got let go, and I had an opportunity to go to Kansas State as the offensive coordinator. So I, I went there and. And Jordy was there, and and um, you know ended up. Obviously, we had we had a really good player, and we found every way possible to get him the ball. And everybody knew he was going to get the ball, and he still did. And kind of very similar to Jahan. So and Jahan, everybody knew we were going to get him the ball here, and, and he just continued to do it week in and week out.
2: So did you have a front row seat to the Favre uh, Rogers deal? Did you have a front row yeah, seat? Yeah, I that? was
0: I was there. We drafted Aaron. Yeah, uh, you know, we drafted Aaron that year. I was. <laughs> there with him his entire rookie year obviously Brett was our our starting quarterback and, and Aaron was the backup as uh, so I was able to kind of watch that whole thing I remember sitting talking about him in the draft room and and, and what we thought about him um yeah so I, I was fortunate to be with Brett Favre not not bad and I was there with Aaron Rodgers and you know the beginning of his career and watch that and then I coached Aaron's brother um uh, Jordan, uh, with the with the uh, when I was at Vanderbilt, he was my quarterback at Vanderbilt. Now he's on the SEC Network.
2: Man, small world. James Franklin here on the Rich Eisen show. I got to meet Micah Parsons in person, coach, a few weeks ago, and he took my seat literally. Uh, that I'm talking to you from, <laughs> like he wanted to. He wanted to ask me questions, and he I got up out of my chair and sat in the guest seat. That that kid, <laughs> he he's uh, convincing. Let's just put it that way. You know, yeah, he's he got
0: a lot of personality, and um, you know, I'm really proud of him. He's come come a long way. We recruited him out of Harrisburg High School, and uh, come here, he came here, and he just he just really thrived and flourished under the structure and the discipline. Um, graduated from Penn State in three years. I don't think enough people talk about that with Micah, um, and then obviously he has gone on to to you know have a fantastic NFL career so far. So. A lot of excitement. I'm happy for a lot of things that are happening for him off the field as well.
2: Well, I mean, he didn't, as we all know, play for the year before he was drafted. What do you think is going on with college football and the way uh, maybe um, it it makes it easier for a transition to the pros than than back in the day, maybe when you were even coaching at Green Bay in 05 that one year and you were there? I mean, because it seems that we're seeing uh, a, a transition for some players be more natural than others. Coach.
0: Yeah, I think it. I think it's a couple of things. I, well, first of all, I just want to be clear. He, he was going to play, and the Big Ten canceled the season. Yes. So, Micah, you know, was not one of these guys that was going to opt out. You know, the Big Ten canceled the season. He had signed with an agent. You know, started training in California, and then a couple of weeks later, the Big Ten changed that decision. Right. Uh, I
2: just want to be clear on no, that. we but, all we all unfortunately remember all of
0: that. Yeah, unfortunately, you're exactly right um but yeah you know i think a couple things I, I think part of it is um very similar to in college right it's a little bit less of an old school mentality where rookies don't play and freshmen don't play um if they're good enough to play and they're talented enough to play you you better get them on the field and i think The NFL has taken a more aggressive approach with those types of things. There's still probably some arguments at the quarterback position. What is the best way to do it? Um, but I just think there's a, there's more of an aggressive approach when it comes to GMs and, and the scouting department and the coaches to say, look, this guy's talented. He may not be able to do everything, but he can do some of the things. And let's start with those things and, and, uh, you know, continue to let him grow and evolve as the season goes on. And, you know, that that's kind of what I'm seeing. And, you know, we've been fortunate to have some guys like Micah go in and, and be able to impact early. I think Dan Quinn did a great job as well. I spoke to Dan. I thought Dan did a great job, not only from a coaching perspective, but he did a great job with me. Dan would call me. I probably talked to him six times during the season where hmm. there'd be a different thing going on. He wanted to ask me my opinion on how to – It'll work with Mike and how to handle this with Micah. And could I reinforce this with Micah? And I, I think Dan's just got a really good understanding that it's more than just the the schemes and the X's and O's. It's about how to relate to players, how to connect with players. And I know him and Dan have a really good relationship. And, and Dan worked at it, so. Uh, I think, you know, Mike is one of these guys He's going to thrive in that type of system when he's got a really good relationship with his position coach and coordinator.
2: Well, speaking of thriving in a in a, in a uh, system, what what are your two cents, not to turn you into uh, an analyst, but I'll do it anyway, the sense of Saquon in Dayball's system that he's bringing um, to the New York, New Jersey area? What do you think of that, James Franklin?
0: Yeah, I know Coach Dayball very well for a number of reasons. Um, you know, the owner of the Bills, uh, Terry Pagul is a Penn State grad, mm-hmm. so we had that connection. His son actually is an is a uh undergraduate student at Penn State and works in our football office, so I've gotten to know him really well. Um I think it's got a chance to be a really good fit. Um, and then I also, you know, you know, I'm a big believer, obviously in Saquon, not only the type of player he is, but the type of man he is. So, um, I, I think he's going to work well. Um, and I think, I think, you know, coach Dayball is going to do a really good job of putting Saquon in the best positions to be successful in terms of what they do with the offensive line and tight ends uh, but also you know playing to his strengths which is, is getting him in space as much as possible. I think you know his rookie year and, and here at Penn State getting him the ball in the passing game and out in space to take advantage of his um, you know his ability to make people miss and you know his uh, ability to burst and, uh, and and really play well in space which I think is one of his strengths. Um, I, I think he's got a chance to have a really good year I know he's been frustrated. Um, so there's nothing I would love to see more is to him have a great year for the Giants and Coach Dayball.
2: Before I let you go, uh, Coach Franklin, I've asked this question of, well, let me see, I asked it of uh, Nick Saban last week as well as Lane Kiffin. Um, also, um, you know, a couple of other colleagues of yours, just Jimbo Fisher at uh, Texas A&M. Dabo Swinney uh, said that because of the name, image, and likeness rules and the lack of, I guess, Uniformity uh, coast to coast that there's going to be a complete blow up and restructuring of all of college athletics, especially football, and there needs to be. Would you agree with that assessment, James Franklin?
0: Well, the first thing I would say, Rich, is it's no different than any other industry, right? When when the rules change or the scenario changes, you better change with it. You better embrace it completely and change and adapt and evolve. So. That's what we we are doing. Um, in in theory, you know, I think this rule makes total sense. Um, and there's a lot of things that I think you know we should have been looking at. We should have been making adjustments over the last you know 30 years in, in college athletics and and specifically football. What, what I would say is there's there's obvious challenges. I don't think the NCAA has done a really good job of educating the public. And defending the NCAA themselves about the challenges that the NCAA has been getting beaten up over the last couple of years, uh, and, and rightfully so in some in some circumstances. But I don't know if people truly understand the challenges that come with the model, and that's that's what I would say. There's there's going to need to be some help. There's going to need to be some. Um, you know, you, I think you use the word uniformity. I think I think that's going to have to happen at some point. We don't have it right now. But let's also be honest, there, there hasn't been uniformity you know, before. Um, you know, so it is challenging, there's no doubt about it, but we've embraced it at Penn State. We're going to move forward. But there is going to be, there's going to be some changes, significant changes in college athletics, I think, over the, last, over the next five years, maybe faster than that. There's a lot of talk about uh, maybe football and basketball breaking away. Um, but I think there's going to be some significant changes in, in college athletics and specifically football over the last five years,
2: but What would you over want, the next five years. What would you want to see? What would you want to see, James Franklin? You could wave a wand. You're now in charge. What do you want to see? What do you well, want?
0: I think at the end of the day, I, I think that the reality is y- you'd like for everybody to be playing by the same rules, and you'd like for the student-athletes to have the ability to take advantage of of the opportunities that they have, and maybe an opportunity that they may not have after college. So, I think there needs to be—you um, know, you need to get a group of people in the room. You know, whether that is whether that is from the government perspective, whether that is from the states' perspective, um, and from an NCA perspective, and get athletic directors, commissioners in a room and say, okay, what do we need to do? that's in the student-athletes, and what do we need to do that's in college football's best interest. And I'm talking about it as simple as, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to come up with the best teams for the college football playoffs, and some schools are play, or some conferences are playing eight conference games, some are playing nine, some are playing FCS opponents, others aren't playing FCS opponents. There should be a standardization across college football from a scheduling perspective, from conferences, do you have a conference championship or not a conference championship? The Notre Dame sitting out on their own with independence. There needs to be more consistency across the board. Um, I don't know how you can ask a group of people to sit in a room and come up with the four best teams in college football and everybody's playing under different circumstances. So I think that's one example. But I do think across the board we need to find a way to come up mm. with rules no different than any other league. Um, so that you can do the best job of evaluating and making sure everybody understands the rules and everybody's playing by the same rules.
2: What number of playoff teams would you like? What number would you be happy it, with?
0: Yeah, you know, To be honest with you, I really haven't had a problem with the current structure because I do think there has been a significant drop-off after maybe the top five teams or the top four teams. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't have a, a strong opinion Um but i just think it needs to be consistent ac- across the board i think you know everybody should be playing the same number of games mm-hmm. everybody should be you know in terms of you know playing fcs opponents Th- those are the things to me i'm more passionate about i think you can make an argument um of going to 12 you know um but again you know you, you don't want to get into a situation where you make these changes but it's the same two or three teams that are winning the championship every single year um, you know, so I don't think we need to go to, you know, what basketball has done with 65 teams and things like, I don't think we need to do that, but I do think every major conference their champion should be in. I do also believe if there's two teams from one conference, it should be the best teams in college football. Um, and I think everybody you know should have that opportunity. Obviously the group of five have done some, some fantastic things as well and they deserve an opportunity. So, you know, I think I think by expanding a little bit, it allows you to do that. You know, we won the Big Ten championship a few years back and didn't get into the playoffs. <laughs> That's a hard pill to swallow. Um, but you know, I don't think we need to go too far with it.
2: Coach, so, thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it. Let's connect during the will, summer and beyond. Right. Thanks. Thanks thank again. Thanks so much. Right back at you. That's James Franklin, head coach of Penn State football. Jimbo said twelve. He says twelve. I like twelve. Who said
1: 16? Didn't someone say 16? Well, Jimbo said 12 or 16. Okay, right.
2: But 12, again, would mean every major conference gets their person in. And then yeah, there's a couple at-larges obviously, at-larges, obviously. And then uh, and then
1: Notre Dame makes it. And then.
2: <laughs> so that would be like an old NFL playoff, right? Yeah, you'd have a couple of buys. A couple then... of buys. Yeah. Three plays six, four plays
1: five. Let's go. Figure it out. In, I don't know who, I mean, I've come around on it, but I don't know who uh, who says, says no. Says no yeah. Who says no?
2: I think Dabo said no. Didn't he say no? He's like, what, how many games are we going to have to play? 16, 17, 18? Remember that? I know you're not a fan. I got larger issues. eight four four two zero four rich number to dial, still to come. We'll take your calls, but when we come back, let's talk. Uh, let's go Hamlin Dingo Blue. Let's hey. go do it. Hamlindigo Blue, right? <laughs> Very good. Better Call Saul, available Mondays at 9 Eastern time, back here on our terrestrial radio outfit with Patrick Fabian, who plays Howard Hamlin in the great, brilliant show Better Call Saul here on the show. Okay, so you guys are all shot out, right? It's all done? You it know. is
1: all done. It is just going to be laid out for you at this point. So, uh, you know, just like you, Monday night, you know, I sat down to, to watch it again. Like, right. I have since the beginning, because yes. I've said this before, you know, I'm, I'm in a nice show uh, about lawyers who have emotional problems. And then I watch the show and I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing in the desert? What's all this gunplay going on? So it's a revelation for me too. You know, especially this season, because yes. we're so much of a family on the show, we would go and watch each other's scenes when we weren't in them, you know? So I spent a lot of time watching other stuff, supporting one another. But mm-hmm. because we were shooting during COVID restrictions, things got really tight and narrow. So this season, especially... You know, I would read the scripts and know what was going on, but I only would be a part of what Howard was doing in this final season. And so Monday night was a reminder of, you know, I'd read it about a year ago and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, that's going, oh, that happened. Right. And, And it was all sense memory for me. So it's. It's unfolding brand new for me as well. And then
2: you also get to see how it is all shot as well. And it's just so beautiful. The whole thing
1: is just remarkable how this show plays on the screen. Well, Marshall Adams is our DP and uh, uh, director of photography. And we got to go ahead and see um, the premiere in a movie theater at the American Legion here in Hollywood. And it was a reminder that these guys are painting pictures for the big screen. It's so lusciously uh, lit. Mm-hmm. and shot, you Burn. know, Ray Seahorn said to me, uh, early in, uh, I think it was season two, man, it was the first season. And she came up to me at one point, she'd done, she'd done a, a day of work and she came to me and she goes, look, I'm not accusing you of Patrick of being the kind of actor who's waiting for his close up to turn it on. I would never accuse you of that. <laughs> <laughs> she said, however, if you are, yes, she goes, uh, I just did a whole days of work yesterday. She goes, and I'm pretty sure they're using the wide and sure enough, um, I've been in a number of scenes in this where the final product is a shot and we're two silhouettes and you hear the dialogue and they never punch in on my face. Not that I'm counting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Fabian here on The Rich Eisen Show. And the actors that you have been uh, with on screen um, are throughout this entire series. You know, and, and again, this is... This is um, Very serious stuff, but I mean, there is a certain comedic element. Sometimes you can laugh at some of these scenes as well. And the the character Saul Goodman, certainly from Breaking Bad, is is that you've got Bob Odenkirk, Michael
1: McKeon, okay, who was in the first several years of this show. The mighty Michael McKeon, I like to call. Anytime I I read a scene and I saw that Michael and I were in a scene together, I thought, oh, we're okay because Michael's in it. I mean, and it, it, the, the did you ever pull him aside? Never pick
2: his brain about like Spinal Tap or anything like that, or back in the day. You know, both him that? and
1: Bob aren't aren't jukeboxes. Like, hey, yeah. tell me a story about this. Right. So I learned to sort of like rope him in sideways to get him talking about something. <laughs> yes, they're avid readers, and so when they weren't working, um, they would sit there and uh, they would read hardback books. They were voracious readers about all sorts of things, okay. and they would they would trade the books back and forth to one another. Uh, I'm not saying that Ray and Mando and I didn't sit there and read as well. We read tweets and you we took it. selfies. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not like I'm totally throwing
2: them under the bus. You're very well read, man, and 280 characters at a time. I understand. <laughs> Absolutely. That, I follow you on
1: Twitter. So, But sometimes we would be like, hey, does, what about that? And all of a sudden, McKean especially would be like, he'd overhear like a snippet of a conversation. He'd go, oh, that's interesting. When I was working with the credibility gap in the 1970s, and then we would just put down our stuff because he would go on a story and roll with stuff. So that's Uh, how we would get gems out of him and Bob. I mean... Just
2: the stories that he, he came on this show last year or something like that. Something like that. And I yeah. just kept on peppering him one after oh, yeah. another because of the stuff that he's done. And now I just saw, uh, I, I just reminded again, episode one of this season, you're with Ed Begley Jr., which is another. Another one. I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, Ed Begley Jr., speaking of Spinal Tap, was the one of the drummers that exploded in Spinal Tap. Was he? Yes,
1: he was. If you said any he, phrase, I think Ed Bailey was, fill in the blank. There's like a good 50-50 chance. Yes, he, true. in the black and white photo uh, v- videos
2: of the, the early days of Spinal Tap, when oh, the drummers right. began to explode. He was the first one who exploded, Ed Bailey Jr. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, he's, well, he's great, I'm great to work with, with too. With Ed is
1: just, you know, an open right. heart. He's been around. He's He, he knows what's what. And um, right. and also working with Ed, kind of like with working with Michael, I'd be in the scene and, uh, you know, Of course, I'm in the scene. I'm a professional. I would not be thinking about anything other than what my character is thinking. But on occasion, I would sit there and I'd get outside of myself going like, that's Michael McKean I'm working with. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, that's Ed. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes with Ed, I would also be like, is Ed listening to me? (laughs) Because Ed has that wonderful quality about him where he's completely present, but it almost looks like I feel like my words are like going over his skull. And he's just like, I don't even know what you're saying. He's just going to say
2: what he wants. Well, I I love this show, and it's always so difficult to interview anybody who's involved with this show or with Breaking Bad prior to it is because you can't tell me a damn thing (laughs) about what's coming up. Nor would I kind of want to know it either, either. you know, but I still do want to know because the aspect about this show that's fascinating, and certainly your character's one of them, is that your character uh, created for this series, Mm -hmm. not from the Breaking Bad world, but I'm wondering how you do get connected to that world and why you're not in it. And that's that's part of, and the same thing with Rhea Seahorn's character as sure. well, to see how your characters wind up and then what happens to you. You're one of the few characters where I'm kind of on the edge of my seat wondering if you make it.
1: Well, or not. I mean, part of you that's know? the setup from the end of season five, which in case you haven't watched is on Netflix. I have a one through five are available on Netflix. Okay. Um, you know, they sort of set it up that. Kim and Jimmy have their sights set on Howard, wanting to take him down. So so I think Mm -hmm. there's there's concern there. Uh, And the fact that we don't exist in Breaking Bad. But as it's been pointed out, we never saw Saul Goodman go home during Breaking Bad. He was always at the office. So there's that idea of like, him and Kim can be together. Does he go home to Kim? Also in life, people don't always have to have something dramatic to all of a sudden no longer be friends or be involved with one another. As of this point, Howard's washed his hands of Kim and Jimmy, you know what I mean? So by all we know, you know, for all we know in Breaking Bad, Howard's just still, you know, putting around doing his, uh, doing his law, doing his thing. There's no reason to have him in Breaking Bad. So I don't know. I can tell you this though. Uh, Vince and Gilligan aren't the kind of uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould Mm -hmm. aren't the, uh, the head writers who just write to show something for Splash. Everything that they have happened to all the characters happens because, the story dictates it so you're in good hands with that if you've liked what you've seen so far right. i guarantee you're going to be very interested in seeing what happens with all of season six is it possible that
2: your character's managing the cinnabon where saul goodman has to go hide out in, in the next <laughs> i uh, would up, love it would that be great <laughs>
1: pull back <laughs> would that be great what a twist. <laughs> where he's where, the regional manager he's right. just coming in to check on that's right. what's <laughs> going on are we using Sweet enough up. icing like you're telling him to sweep <laughs> up <laughs> This is not standard. That would be great. Oh my gosh! I'm more concerned about Howard's golf game. Like, what's his handicap? Well, it's got to be great. It, well, it is great because he's got a lot. That's where he does his business. I mean, let's face it. You well, know, uh, you know, uh, not Jimmy. Uh, Chuck McGill was doing the the heavy lifting at H H M. So Howard's definitely on the course. I'd say he's a nine. But he says That's he's good. a twelve. That's right. So he can look good. Of course, course, you course Howard's
2: got a. He's, he's gaming. You know, he's yeah. scheming. We we do know though that Howard is a uh, a boxer. Because again, I follow you on Twitter, Patrick Fabian. Yes. And I saw this video on your account um, about. Teaching
1: how somebody to hit uh, an uppercut or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold that was, a, that was think... on the better so- call a solo count as well. Uh, th- it's t- Howard t- in his suit showing how ha- to deliver an uppercut. Ha- have you not seen this? No, I have not. I seen think
2: it. we have it. Do we have that? Oh no, I, I think we have this video because I saw this the other day and it looked like it was um, somewhat official. As a matter of fact, oh. and I don't know if you do you have any boxing history or anything. Uh, I do thing? not have any
1: boxing history. I will say though, um, in order to do the video, I did do a little bit of boxing training.
2: Ah, and
1: my appreciation for uh, all the muscle groups that you can use when boxing went way up. Okay, because of course the first day of training, I was like, "Oh, let's lay into this. Let's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll show you how hard I can hit." And a then lot. the next morning, I was getting out of bed and I'm like, "Oh, oh, that's sad. those are my lats." I didn't realize that. <laughs> there you go. You know, they come at us with a lot of different things. Uh, <laughs> if it's Jonathan Banks, uh, and so he'd be like, "No way, I'm not doing that." <laughs> 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 But me, I'm just like, what next? What? Yeah, okay. uh, I'm up for anything. So <laughs> We had a, Jonathan Banks called in one
2: time, right? And yeah. he cursed 15 oh, times. He, oh, he didn't want to answer so any I questions. Think, we were done. That. Seriously, That's that was wild. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Ermintrout was actually calling, and I thought he was calling. Uh. Pretty funny. Yeah, certainly when I asked him about him getting, uh, you know, wasted at the beginning of 48 hours, he was not even into that <laughs> conversation. Oh, my God. They bring that up
1: all the time. Right. Yeah, they bring him up all the time. I think I think he's had it up to that, here. I know. I know. Well, I get damn shot. I <laughs> <was cop too. laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Damn it. See, so I walked in. I needed red flags. So I should have called Sorry, you man. first. I
2: should have called you first. I can give you approved questions for him next time. Patrick Fabian here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right.
1: This is like Penn State Hour,
2: huh? We right. just hung up with
1: James. James Franklin and look at Thanks, guys, for scheduling the the, the head coach y- Yeah, we well, uh, class of eighty seven. Last time we won the championship. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was there for I was there for the Jopa years and all that stuff. And what uh, the uh, uh,
2: wearing the camouflage against
1: the hurricanes
2: and stuff like that? Was yeah. that was that, was that, uh, was uh, there that we your are. time or was that before? No, your this time? this
1: is actually from this year. I got to go oh, back. Right. I was fortunate enough to I was I'm old enough now that I got an alumni of the year award with five others from the college of arts and architecture tremendous so i got to go back up and see the stadium and kiss the lion and do all that okay um who was going through that with you anybody though that we would know as a matter of fact here's a shout out Adam Cohn, who okay. works for Converse, okay, he got me these shoes, as a matter of fact. He's so a Penn State, Penn State guy? He's a Penn State guy. Okay, They're... And then, it turned, you know, the College of Arts and Architecture is not just a bunch of actors, it turns out, mm-hmm. narcissists. I was like, what? We're only actors, <laughs> right? It's architects and uh, people who are doing great stuff with their art for other people as well, uh, oh. you know. And uh, I was reminded that I'm the only one who... Came out to get my picture taken in Los Angeles, so, you know. which, by the way, I guess is a skill. So, we'll... <laughs> all right. So you that that was back in that day,
2: and I I heard you were at the Super Bowl this year. Is that a true story? Oh, that's funny.
1: No, Rich, I wasn't at the Super Bowl. I've been watching the NFL for about forty five years now, and uh, turns out that uh, my eleven year old daughter, yes, her very first NFL game was the Super Bowl because my sister in law works in the corporate world, oh. and sometimes corporate tickets shake off the wagon and. That's Abby right there. Uh, it's her very first NFL game. She's rooting for the home team, and she's sitting right behind the Bengals end zone. So she watched all the first half scoring, then watched the great halftime show, mm-hmm. and then watched the final two-minute drive come right down wow. her throat. Wow! And so she, uh, okay, she got me a girl. sweatshirt, which was nice. <laughs> so you weren't there, but she was? No, I, I didn't get a chance to go. So I was like... Damn. I'm wow. like, okay. so what? I told her, I said, Relax. look, you've now gone to your first game um, it's the hometown team. Yes, yeah. uh, it's the Super Bowl, <laughs> in the town. and they won. And you watch the final two-minute drive come. You don't ever really That's have it. to go see another game. That's it. You're done. That's pretty much done. Yeah. But uh, I assume
2: she share, even though she roots for the Rams, um, she shares her father's distaste for the Bengals. I'd imagine. Well, yeah. Or, here, okay. but here,
1: I wanted to talk to you about this. Since so you're a Steeler, here's the thing: I'm, I'm a Steeler okay. fan. I yes. grew up, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania. Yes. But as my daughters pointed out, I've been living in Los Angeles. For 35 years. Yeah. And so they said, when are you going to root for the home team? Oh. So we all got Ram stuff. And I wondered what the vile. There I am. Oh, wow! Yeah, so there oh, I am. And- I don't know who you are anymore. Wow. The, the thing on the is, beach the volleyball? I, I, I'm. i Are you allowed to have two teams? At oh. least it's not oh, in yeah. conference. That's the right right place. Right you know what right I mean? Sir. You, you, got got no, right you, you right have no idea
2: what you've walked into. <laughs> I'm a professional. Turn over your right shoulder and say hello to Altoona, Pennsylvania's finest, TJ Jefferson.
3: Okay, so hello. what's the deal? What do we? Can we? Well, it depends. Are we talking one sport?
1: I'm talking just football right now.
3: You know, I, I get I get a lot of grief because I have multiple teams in college, but it's Patrick football's seventeen games. It's, oh. <laughs> but you know what? If you're Steelers an and the Rams, you know, you two it's different conferences, two different coasts, two
1: different conferences. Yeah,
3: I'm I'm all for it. I say
1: do what you like. I like that too. I mean, it's, Do what you it's like. I, I'm, I'm kind of rationalizing I'm like, "Oh, it's for the kids." But then I look like a carpet because all of a sudden I'm wearing a brand new Rams <laughs> sweatshirt a month before they win the Super Bowl. What would all the Yinzers
2: think of the man with his volleyball on his beach? Oh, they would not like the, the really. The fact that
1: that's been aired now. I'm pretty I'm pretty it's much dead over. in the water with Steeler I mean, your Permen
2: Brothers card has been revoked. revoked yeah. <laughs> oh no. Your privileges no. have been revoked. But I mean, but TJ uh Jefferson roots for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. uh, even oh, though he's from, he's from, even <laughs> though he's from. In the middle of the state, roots okay, for the Cowboys. Right. Um, and uh, but that's his Penn only state. football team. No, but he yeah, roots for, you root for Penn State and Florida State, right? And, 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 in, and, in, and college bat, there and, it is, and and right Pitt. up in the street. <laughs> <laughs> these are all his uh, teams. Okay. All right. I get it. But there's yeah. a reason. Philadelphia, for, and everyone the Lippers, of these teams Wow, Georgetown and Duke and Penn State and Florida State and the Penguins and the. And that's a lot. The Mets. I feel better. The Mets. And the the Met? Mets. <laughs> wow. See, now. Come is that why he's in the this question. <laughs> Partially, yes. Second, now, now that you have received the okay to root for multiple teams. Thank you. It's okay with From you. him and you are ready to accept that. Now that you know all the information, are you concerned that he's the one that allows you to feel good about yourself?
1: As long as I get a green light, I'm going to take it. And well, you got I'm, it. I'm, I'm gonna okay. take it's it. Look, th- you, the Patrick. fact is, I do, you you're know, nice. I'm, I I am the guy who's playing volleyball every weekend in Los Angeles. I who I know this person
2: like, is anymore. Mike and I are okay. Ram
1: season ticket holders. And yeah, yeah dude,
2: come on, stop like, it. Whatever. Ram season ticket holders. you, you you're honestly. Six You're, years I've had season all the, tickets. How many true. games in six years have you gone yeah. to? great
3: question. I don't okay.
2: know. Uh, <laughs> <basically> like, <laughs> if the Steelers are playing the Rams, that's the guy for you to talk to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If R- you
3: because they'll definitely sell you. Second row. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's the guy to There's talk to. They're such diehard fans, great. Patrick, that they'll <laughs> yeah. give yeah. up their tickets. <laughs> His nickname is StubHub. <laughs> hey, I'm just joking. No, well, you got yeah, to pay the rent somehow, right? StubHub, my guy. Stub and
1: Hub, Seat Geek over there. Very well done. Oh, no, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for working me through the shame. I appreciate it. <laughs> <that. laughs> no
2: shame, Patrick. No ah, shame. We're always here for you. Altoona, Pennsylvania. If you Island. could describe it as one of two things, <laughs> you can only describe it as one of two things. <laughs> you have go. to give me an answer here: East Coast or Eastern Time Zone? <laughs> one of the others. East Coast or Eastern Time Zone?
1: I'll give it East Coast. <laughs> what? Oh. Horseshoe Curve. Look out. He's coming over. Right? Again. He's
3: coming right. over oh, to tap you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew
2: East. what we were talking about. Where are you from exactly? Uh.
1: Harrisburg. Okay. <laughs>
2: Patrick, <laughs> please
1: tell me
3: you were born in Harrisburg General Hospital. I wasn't. I was born in Pittsburgh. Oh. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Nice
3: try. We have some nice parties for you. Me and Michael Parsons, though, no, it's represent it's really really that. Good. This is my favorite guest. I mean, I've always been a well, fan. That's because he, <laughs> <you know, laughs> he brings HHM swag. He's oh, hey, speaking of which, speaking of oh, which, oh, oh, this
1: may be a re-gift. This oh, may be a re-gift. Oh, I don't care. What do you oh, yeah. got? Yeah. What you got? Yeah. Did I give you a pen?
2: Hey. Oh wow, they coming in its own little witness. look at this. Look at how yes. they come in yes. Very nice. Yes. So
3: we are in. Oh yeah. Very nice. I get too I'll take it. Thank you, sir. With with my Hamlin Hamlin
2: McGill notebook from the last time you were here. Hamlin to go blue. Oh no, it's black. That's odd. That's very, very yeah. ironic. It's not. I thought it would be
1: Ham. Ham. We sign? Sign names? Is, that, is that a Absolutely. No is that a sign frivolity. for what's coming on this oh. season? Oh. That it's, oh. you know, what oh. is coming on the season. I don't know. Tonight's oh. episode is a real rocker, and I tell you what. I tell you what. Here's the thing. The, the, the truth is, and, and yes, I'm in the show, and I feel like a, you know I'm, I'm a Homer on this. They really deliver this season. It's really good. All the balls that they've rolled up to the mountaintop that are starting to teeter and roll down. Oh man, they, they careen, they do stuff. You're not going to not be all right. Undisappointed. Do you have the namaste license plate? I have one of them. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Fantastic. That's That's a good one. What else have you got from Uh, them? You know, uh, those pens, they, they only made one. They only made one for seven seasons on the show. It sat there the entire time properties made one in the, in the very last day. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Damn it. The very last day, they gave it to me. Properties gave it to me. And they said, here, man, take this. So that's the only thing I really took. Okay. And I always get asked about the suits. Yep. You know, do the suits come home with me? Because they're tailor-made for me. Uh, Di Stefano in uh, downtown Mars. Los Angeles. Mars? They do them. And Jennifer Bryan is the wardrobe designer. She put me in them. Uh, they did 90% of my work on the show, without a doubt. Uh, those suits are not mine. Oh. Oh. Well, I mean, they paid more... For the suits and they did for me to be, like, you know, to be fair to sony so they're gonna they're gonna keep those
2: well you look great in them thanks uh, man. and you're awesome you're awesome and this show is awesome uh new episodes again of the sixth and final season of better call saw monday nights including tonight at nine eastern on amc and the second part of the final season will be air beginning july 11th the man who plays howard hamlin uh uh Harrisburg's finest, although we just don't know who he is anymore, <laughs> rooting for the Rams, playing coach volleyball in his custom made suits from DiStefano here in Los Angeles. But you're still the same old, same old Patrick Fabian. Thanks for coming on, sir. Absolutely, man. Thank at you. Patrick Fabian on Twitter. I follow him, you should as well. We're back here to set up the rest of the week. Look at that man. I do not know who that man is anymore. California living. Look at that. There's no yins up there. No baby. in store and now save 40 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com
1: check out our new nba show beyond the arc
2: eight four four two oh four rich is the number to dial here on the show. Let's take some phone calls. Uh Orlando's been waiting forever in San Antonio. What's up, Orlando?
4: What's going on, Rich? How y'all doing?
2: I'm um, great. What's on your mind?
4: Look, I'm here for you, Rich. I'm a Colts fan, but look, I, I, I love your enthusiasm for your jets. Okay. You don't need sauce at number four. Now you, you all cannot get to the quarterback at all. Okay. You sacked two or once, you sacked Josh Allen once. All of last year, you got to Max five times, but you only saw, saw Carson Wentz one time. The Jets got to him seven times in two games. Uh, Jordan Davis, J- Jermaine Johnson, uh, Nakobe Dean—players that you all need on your team. Yeah, but not fourth uh,
2: overall, though. You know, and no, and uh, but no, I
4: understand. I'm, just saying, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In general, with the fourth or tenth pick, I'm just saying there, there's more the Jets need. Uh, than than sauce. A great fillet doesn't need sauce. Only <laughs> salt and pepper. You know, uh, you can't have. The, <laughs> that, DJ. You know, you, you can't have sauce with uh, with no front line.
2: I hear no you, uh, but he, and and thank you for the call. Uh, in in terms of that, uh, Carl Lawson hopefully is going to come back healthy. They got Vinny Curry, the, who had a freak reason why he couldn't play last year, and. What helps get a pass rush home is looking downfield and seeing nobody open. That helps. And I like this kid's makeup big time, and I cannot wait to talk to him tomorrow morning, and I hope I just don't creep him out. Rich, I hate when I go How's to a steakhouse. How's that for a goal in interviewing
1: somebody? That's a pretty solid goal. I, I
3: hate when I go to a steakhouse and they tell me I can't have A1 sauce. I mean, give me the
2: sauce. I don't care how good the steak is. A1. I'm, well, just some sauce. Just... I'm not taking him to any steakhouse. <laughs> I like A1. Mike, you can't go into a steakhouse and ask for A1 not a one steak. There's
3: not even. Are you kidding you imagine me? Imagine
2: going into losers and saying I, you want the A one. Look, I just if Mike, I, want I, it, my I wanted, Mike, I, I, I might not be need my it. ally See, here. It's like
3: are you, it's like tapatio. I mean, it's great, <laughs> but it's like you don't put tapatio on it. Can have, have it. Can have, have it. it. You they can do it. it. Like I just told I Patrick Fabian, I mean. you do whatever you
2: want. All right. If you're paying 250 bucks for a Peter Luger steak, you can put one He's want. so nice, yeah. Patrick Fabian. He's, he's saying, it's like, me. you know, maybe you can root for more yeah, than two teams. Two, yeah, and he was, had no idea what he just yeah. strolled into he in this place. And then he, he hears from TJ, uh, somebody yeah. from his home state, his home area. He feels a a, a, a connection with TJ and accepts TJ's. Acceptance of him for rooting more than for more than just one mm-hmm. sports team, and then we showed him all the sports teams he, he root for, and he, he thought like this guys a little bit wrong. weird. <laughs> like you could see that kind of go over him, and when I pointed <laughs> it out, he was too nice to say, "Yeah, I, I, I can't." I take mean, that's this how you T.J. look anymore. at it. You just Maggie agree no. with you. Just Tell like, me I'm wrong. Just he like sees you got all mad,
3: of these pennants up on the screen. By the way, it's just, just like you got mad when Stephen A. Smith didn't
2: agree with my. So all of a sudden, it's that person you sat next to on a plane the entire time, and you feel like. You've connected, and then you start the, the plane's descending, you see all the insanity that this person's really all about. You're like, the I, guy cannot elevator door open for I cannot somebody wait till that gate opens, I cannot wait till the door gets to the gate. <laughs> Let me tell I you, are the, the guy, guy I cannot <laughs> wait till where this plane gets to the gate. I gotta <laughs> so get out of here. They like you until
3: they land, and then they're trying to catch an elevator, and you push clothes on oh, the door no, for no, them. No, right? no, that's oh, okay, come
2: you could try and bring stuff up on me that. An Thinks that it splashes teams. back on me, but, but I am it does. Still, that, I am that's s- far worse no. than
3: me not liking teams. I will still, I will always. <laughs> liking teams. Are you I kidding will, me? No. Come on,
2: apples and oranges. I will always hold a door for the elderly or for a woman. But if you're a guy and I'm going to a top floor and I know you're going to get on the you don't elevator know that. You as know. the door's closing and you are more <laughs> likely, it's again, it's like pulling a high card. If you got a jack, you know, very, very, with a great probability the next person pulls a card, it's lower than yours. I'm glad you're tucking yourself into thinking. I I already have a king. I've already had a king, and now we're playing high card. I know you're going to be on a floor below me. I'm not letting you on. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to hit that open (laughs) button. And I'm fine with it, and I put my head on the pillow, and I'm a good father, and I'm a good husband, (laughs) and I'm a good person. Okay, and I like a few D teams, and Yeah, and you're weird. Worse. Yeah, you're, okay.
3: weird. <laughs> you're weird. Is this thing on? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> just just don't follow him Sauce, into a building. Gardner,
2: Kyle <laughs> Hamilton, just two of our guests tomorrow. <laughs>
0: and I'm bringing a broom tomorrow, boys.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: And Nets and <laughs> Celtics the tonight. Bringing a broom tomorrow. <laughs> we will chat on Tuesday's show.